Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Is Armstrong and Getty. Why are you here? That we choose truth over facts. I don't understand what you're saying. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. All right, go, go. Spare us the theatrics. Behave yourself. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Texas will definitely become more dirty, more dangerous. Yeah, kill me, motherfucker. Rather than confront the drug use like a normal city, San Francisco enables drug use by distributing roughly 400,000 free syringes every month. City leaders say that giving out syringes reduces the risk of disease. Of course, no one wants to have somebody get HIV or Hep C, but the unintended consequences is insanity. So that's from last night's Tucker Carlson on Fox, a national show, a national story on the, what, second most watched cable news show in America. 
focusing on San Francisco, I think partially because Tucker Carlson used to live there. Mm-hmm. Uh, another reason would be that it's just so extraordinary. Well, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely a canary in the coal mine of a certain set of policies. Right. What you can look forward to. That's what I wanted to, to mention because um, we're, we're very familiar with San Francisco and its decline in so many cities on the West Coast. But so I was in Wichita for uh, Christmas, Cousin Christmas. There and they are starting to have a homeless problem. In Where Wichita, we had our Kansas. first job together years ago, and I don't remember seeing homeless people when I lived there years ago. But anyway, I guess it's a thing downtown, like the libraries. The downtown libraries got homeless people, and you can't go there. And like it's happening in a lot of places. And uh, I made, uh, and again, I, I prefer the term bums and junkies. Well, right. I made some harsh comment at the uh, the family get together about them being a bunch of drug. Get those dang. I used the bad language, but drug addicts out of there. Uh-huh. Well, they're they've had some troubles, you know, and we need to be more compassionate. Somebody said, yeah. and I thought, you know, th- this is the road you go down. You think that, and that makes you a nice person, right? That makes you a nice person. That it's new to you, that homeless have showed up in your town, and you think, well, they're down and out, or they got screwed by life, or whatever. Right, they're just one medical bill away from homelessness. Yeah, you got drug addicts who've decided they like the drug addict lifestyle ruining your town. That's Mm -hmm. what you have. Right, or they can't get themselves clean, and I have a great deal of sympathy for that. But that doesn't mean they get to ruin the town. It doesn't mean they get the park, and the library, and the bike paths, and and the the sidewalks, and the rest of it. And the doorway to that store you want to go into. Yeah, we're going to compassion them out of being drunk, junky losers by furnishing them drugs and letting them camp in the park. And that's the way we're going to get them clean, that, according to the dreamers who run so much of the world. Oh, right. Look, we need dreamers. We need compassion. We need kindness. Of course we do. But compassion without order is chaos. All right. Now, back to my ER story, which fits in with this. So Tucker Carlson's doing that every night this week. I think it's a five-part series, San Francisco and the homeless situation. So if you're into that story, uh, watch it there. But so I'm at a downtown ER on the West Coast with my wife on a Friday night and learned the lesson, if you weren't listening earlier, that if you're in downtown on a city, especially on a weekend, and something happens, unless it's chest pain or you can't, you know, you're choking, something where you're going to, you might die immediately, mm-hmm. you're better off Ubering or driving to a suburb or right. a smaller town. Yep. One, you'll get in faster. Two, it's safer. It's just safer. It wasn't safe to be in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly for my kids, I couldn't, I couldn't let my, Kids like sit down while I'm helping check mom in, right? Because they're drunk homeless people everywhere wandering around trying to talk to them. And if you're just tuning in, you know the lovely Mrs. Armstrong bleeding in terrible pain, can't fill out the paperwork. So Jack's doing that. Meanwhile, the junkies are approaching his kids, and the um the people that work there clearly know some of them by name, right? And so and they all know the drill. It's a it's a dance, right? They they come they come stumbling. I need a bed. All right, what's wrong, Jim? I don't, I don't feel good. I feel like I'm going to fall down. Okay. And so they go through the full filling out the paperwork, 15 minute, whatever it takes routine while you got other people hanging around. I'm sure that's the law. Um, right. and, uh, and uh, two, two things they want. They want to, they want a warm bed inside. And this is a way to get it. And there's apparently you can't say no. And two, if you're, if you claim certain symptoms, according to one of the nurses who told my wife, They'll uh, they'll IV up, 
So I don't know. I, I've known people who did this. I was never committed enough to recovering from a hangover to do this. But apparently, if you're willing to take um, uh, uh, an IV, you can get over a hangover like that. It, it yes. Works. I've um, done it. You have done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I'm not that committed. I had some friends uh, who were uh, military doctors, and they, they would do that to themselves. And one day I was out with them and was <laughs> with them the next morning as well. And they said, come on, we know what to do. Wow. Yeah, I know, I I know guys who could write PhDs on being hungover, and they say, yeah, it's a miracle. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it is. The, yeah. the, you know, most of your hangover is your dehydration, so they pump you full of liquid, and you're over it. God, I don't know if I needed a way to, like, you know, hey, I'm feeling good already. Well, let's, get, let's do that again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I need the pain of the hangover to adjust your lifestyle. But anyway, so the, the, the homeless, the street addicts, have figured that out. So they'll go into the hospital, and I'm happy to pay for that, of course, as a taxpayer. Well, I love the idea of paying for you to get uh, your IV, to get back on your feet so you can go out and beg for more money to get drunk again. Well, and please, how about I'm in pain. I'm in lots and lots and lots of pain. I need some opioids. They got to give them to them. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Well, listen, what makes it even worse in Cal Unicornia, where realism has gone to die, is that there is a, a law that was just passed, I think it was uh, beginning of last year, which reminds me, we have to get to some of the absurd new laws that have been passed by America's legislatures um, at some point for, for 2020. But uh, the new law in Cal Unicornia requires hospitals to offer homeless patients a meal clothing, and other services before sending them to somewhere that has agreed to take them. You have to prove you have a bed for them before you kick them out, which is just insane. I don't I don't know. I, I, the, the problem with the drive-by voter, and, and part of the problem is government has become so vast and is involved in so many aspects of, of, of virtually everything. It's impossible for the average voter to understand what government does and have a solid view of what the policies ought to be. It's just asking too much of people. God dang it. Which is one and of so- the reasons I'm a small government advocate. But the drive-by voter hears the emotional description of an issue like this, and it's so easy to persuade them to do the progressive thing because it sounds good, which is why the Democrats want to register children as voters now, because you can sway children with emotional arguments really easily. Save the unicorns, kids. I want to make it clear again. I, I understand that the people at the hospital are just doing what they're they're told they have to do. And you, oh, you they're heroes. And you probably hate it more than I do. Oh, I you'd, promise you. You'd, you'd probably yeah. like to rant and rave about it for hours on how you have to fill out the paperwork for this drunk guy that you see every two days while that woman back there, that young mom, is holding her sick baby waiting in line. Right. And there's that probably be- some activist lawyer lurking around to make sure you don't see the baby first. But like, we got this text. I broke my back and had to wait three hours in an ER hallway by an obviously high-ranting degenerate. It was awful. Jeez, so if I bring my kid into the ER at night, we're sick, we might be in the ER in the hallway next to the gurney, like my wife was, of some guy who's just obviously a drunk homeless person. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to talk yeah. to her and stuff like that yeah. with your kid. That's just, who would allow their society to get that way? As, yeah. ex- as expensive as healthcare is, you got to put up with that when you need to take your kid to the ER? Holy crap. Note here from Craig, my wife, my wife th- fell through an open hatch on a boat. 
Reminds me of my unfortunate and unavoidable boating accident a number of years ago. I remember that, yes. I tumbled down the stairs of a sailboat while the steps were wet. I believe there was drinking involved, was there not? I don't recall, specifically. (laughs) It was a good thing there was, man. That was some serious pain. Anyway, but she had to wait uh, two and a half, three hours to be seen with seven broken ribs in line uh, behind a bunch, a room full of obviously drunk and high, you know, bums. Yeah, I'm not kidding. If I broke my ankle and was in horrific pain, I would still, and I'm downtown somewhere, I would still say, get me to, you know, nice suburb. Right. Because you might as well. You're going to be in the same amount of pain. Yeah. Except you're going to be sitting next to scary people. Yeah. You're going to wait just as long. Yeah. I uh, I had to take a longish ride to an emergency room once in terrible pain, and you kind of settle into it. Doesn't get worse. <laughs> you just gotta, and before you know it, you're there. So that's some solid advice, I, I just, especially if you are in the more progressive corners of America where order has bro- broken down. Oh yeah. To wrap this up, how does this story end? I mean, because surely society won't continue to put up with this, will it? I mean, I realize democracies move really slow, yeah. but surely society won't put up with that. When enough people have had that ER experience. Well, those of you who do not live in admittedly wonderful, or at least formerly wonderful places, like Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego, uh, oh, Santa Rosa, California, is dealing with a huge crisis of bums and junkies. If if you don't live in those places, just just be warned. If you let these unicornian policies in, we need to let people camp in the park because they're unfortunate. You let that camel's nose under the tent, you're going to have a park full of camels. This park case, full we're, of camels. we're bums and junkies. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. 400 hiring managers reveal when it's okay to lie on your resume. I'll just read this as it's written. You've probably lied on your resume and your hirer knew it. I have not lied on my resume. This is the finding of a study of 800 job applicants and hiring managers, 400 on each side, by a company that vets job applicants. Of the whopping 78% of applicants who misrepresent themselves on resumes, this is how they do it. 78% misrepresent themselves. Well, as we as we said, you might you might uh, exaggerate a little your duties at a job or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if that's lying. Anyway. I managed this as opposed to I was managed. You know, that's a stretch. 39% claim a degree from a more prestigious university. Nobody's ever really? checked that. Really? 40% of people say they went to, well, back to the elite university thing. Well, I think the key I is, hate you. I think the key would be to not go with Harvard, Yale, or Stanford. You just go from a community college thing to some state school yeah, somewhere. and yeah. nobody's ever going to check that. So and just move up one class. By the way, you're lying about something that doesn't matter. Right. So that's that's one of the reasons they ignore that lie, because who freaking cares? You may well have gotten a much better education at your lesser school. Uh, that can't be possibly true. Well, it's... That is impossible. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the more you spend and the bigger the buildings, the better the education. We all know that. Everybody knows that. Is uh, Lori Laughlin's child there or not? <laughs> 41% alter titles such as manager to director. You change manager to director. Mm. Okay. I was the director of cleaning the bathrooms at the first radio job I had. Oh, those don't sales, remind me. Those salespeople were disgusting, too. 
End of a long day. sick enough. 42% make up relevant experiences. Okay. 45% falsify reasons for leaving a prior job. Uh, you're not going to say the boss was a, uh, an idiot. <laughs> I got caught stealing the coffee. <laughs> I, I think shading reasons you left your previous job, that one is very, very common. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, especially because haven't we all heard the wisdom? Don't be negative about your last job. It shows that you're a negative person and blah, blah, blah. So we all try to go with, I uh, felt like I would have better opportunities somewhere else where they didn't hit me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Where the work wasn't mind-numbing and insulting to my very dignity as a human. Do you think that holds up the idea of don't ever say negative anything negative about your previous employers? I don't know if that makes sense in the real world. you got to be careful. I think if you're reasonably effective at speaking, you can twist it and twist it. Uh, you, can, you can make it into something that sounds positive. I felt like the, the team environment there was not productive. There was a lot of backbiting and hostility. And I'm really looking for a place where people can join together and do great work. That's negative, but it's positive. As opposed to, they're a-holes. They didn't like me because I'm not from there. Yeah, you know, It was just, all about who you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not even who you know. It's who you bleep. You know, it's just, if you come off like that, it's not good. <laughs> Uh, hilarious. Uh, half of people claim longer tenures at jobs to omit an employer. I think I may have done that one. Oh, look I out. think I may have done that one. There was a period of time when I was living in Kansas City where I had a lot of jobs. And there was one job I did. Uh, I'm not sure that guy would have said nice things about me. Mm. So I kind of made this one a little longer at the beginning again, that one a little longer at the end, and they touched. You know what I mean? So there's not a gap. Yeah. To try to put in that other job. Yeah. Yeah. They may have done that. But. So that half of people do that. And 60% claim mastery in skills in which they are not masters. I'm an ex- excellent flute player. Uh, <laughs> I'm a black belt in Krav Maga. I think it, it's probably more like, uh, you know, in uh, Excel or, right. you know, one of your computer programs or something. I've always wanted to buy a uh, royal title, be an archduke or something like that. Uh, I wonder, do people ever say that? I'm actually well, do you, an Archduke. Do you remember uh, <laughs> our old producer, Dominic, uh, God rest his soul? Yes. Um, he said in Hollywood, you always say yes. He said, whatever they say, can you ride a horse? He said, absolutely. Yeah. You just, you know, you, you just get the job and then you figure it out later. Mm-hmm. You know, can you do martial arts? This is a movie. Oh, oh please. of course. Martial I arts. <laughs> I teach. <laughs> yeah. He just always say yes. Of course, yeah. he was he was the sort of person that would do that, whether he was in Hollywood or not. <laughs> it was just kind of his thing. But. I hate to speak ill of the dead, but I he was a congenital liar. Uh, <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, hiring managers, it turns out, are completely aware of this. Two-thirds say they hire liars anyway when other good candidates are not available. What hirers won't tolerate is faked references which they say is the worst thing an applicant could submit. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So having your buddy be the uh, former VP of accounting there. At, uh, Dude, Norwell I need you for the next three days. Every time you answer the phone, I need you to say Cornwall Industries. Yeah. <laughs> could you do that for me? Just don't ask questions. No so. problem is what I would say because I'm a good friend. Exactly. Yes. Cornwall Industries. Oh, Jack was a fine employee. Oh. We, we hated to see him go. We, we, know he, we knew he was too good for us, though. 
We knew he was bound for great things. All the women wanted to have his baby. All the men wanted to be him. <laughs> oh, yeah. People are always saying that in reference. <laughs> Hiring managers are most understanding about inflated GPAs. Nearly nearly 92% said that they would still consider hiring somebody who would increase their GPA. From 1.8 okay. to 3.8. You know. I've, yeah, I've never had a job where having a higher GPA would have made any difference. But no. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I don't know what the rest of the world's like. This varies so much from field to field. Sure. Especially these days. You're some uh, kick-ass coder. Nobody cares what you got in English 101. Right. That sort of thing. Plus, haven't study after study showed that B students end up being more successful than A students because they figure out what they're interested in and they get after it hard as opposed to just kind of running themselves ragged. Plus, in college, it's all about who you know. You got a kiss ass to get great. Not that's what I found out. No, that's what I put on my resume. Just bad at (laughs) it. Old old boss had it out for me. Exactly. Or in he was a jerk. Oh boy! All right, so they were all jealous of me. That's why they didn't like me. That old job. Everybody's jealous of me. (laughs) That that plays well. Yes, say that definitely. (laughs) Put that in your cover letter. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Eurasia Group is out with their top risks of 2020, and Ian Bremmer is the president and founder of said organization. Mr. Bremmer is not here to elect anyone, to promote or uh, denigrate any political party. He gets up in the morning. His goal is to be right about stuff for his clients. Uh, And that was the short version of the Ian Bremmer disclaimer. Ian, how are you, sir? That was, that was beautifully done. These are highly partisan times. Had you noticed? Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed uh, that. <laughs> I know. I know. It's really rough to like say, you know, God forbid, for example, you say something that Trump did right. I you saw that. Trouble, I saw you, know? you defending yourself on Twitter for having said, this looks like a win for Trump. And then in comes a, oh, so you want Trump to get reelected, do you? <laughs> And they're like, how can you say that? It's so early, you know? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a long season, but you can win a game, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I know. Everybody's I mean, lost their mind. Even the Cleveland Browns occasionally pick one up, right? Uh, it's but a rarity. Just since we were on that, you feel like thus far it's been a win for Trump uh, against Iran? Well, the last week has clearly been a win for Trump, right? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, in a couple of ways. Uh, first, the United States killed uh, Qasem Soleimani, who's by far the most important military antagonist uh, to the United States in the region, um, and that's a that's a big deal. It really does limit Iran's capacity to respond and retaliate against America and against American allies. And and then uh, number two, uh, the Iranians now have knocked down this plane. It seems pretty clear from intelligence uh, from many countries, not just the United States. They're denying it, but that means that the Canadians, the Europeans, are really angry at Iran. So I mean, the countries that had been angry at the United States because the U.S. pulled out of the nuclear deal and had been more sympathetic to the Iranians, now the Iranians are saying that they're moving out of the nuclear deal and they've got the blood of all these civilians on their hands. I mean, this is a horrible week for Iran, right? And on balance, a horrible week for Iran is probably a pretty good week for the United States. Yeah, and whoever the president happens to be. Turns out that president's Trump right now. But, I mean, if Obama was doing the same stuff, I would have said, you know, this looks like a win for Obama. Like, you were capable of saying that. I mean, I guess we're not anymore. But Oh, my we gosh. Be. We could be, right? I can hardly <laughs> even comprehend such analysis. All right, so, Ian, uh, you know, to get back to the disclaimer and the uh, divided times we live in, I noticed that uh, risk number one in the top risks of 2020 is the fractured state of American domestic politics. That's a global risk. 
Yeah, it is. Well, it's it's a global risk and it's a high one because uh, you know, anything that happens in the U.S. is is so massive globally. We're the world's largest economy, right? So the ripple effects make sense. Um, the issue is not is it Trump or is it the Democrat that wins here? In the way we look at it. the issue is if it's a close election, it's going to feel like the election has failed. It's going to feel um, illegitimate, and and the the losing side will make those arguments and and will make them in a way that is hard to resolve and that kind of drives mm. the country crazy and makes governance really challenging for a period of time. Kind of kind of like what happened in the UK after Brexit where I mean it wasn't just that they couldn't get Brexit done it was also that every that all the the the, the side that quote unquote lost said this is illegitimate we need another vote we refuse to work on this this isn't the way it works well you can imagine You've got an impeached president who's going to be acquitted uh, by the Republicans, and then he's going to continue to use the powers of the presidency to ensure that he can win. And that will include not defending the elections uh, in, in terms of uh, security from external interference. It includes uh, you know, try, p- pursuing investigations against Democrats, which we'll certainly see from the attorney general and others denigrating intelligence. Um, and uh, and taking people off the rolls in different states. Uh, and the Democrats, I think, if they lose, will respond with, this is illegitimate. I think if Trump loses, he'll say um, that uh, this, there was interference. He's already said that in terms of the Ukrainians, for example. Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't think in a close election that Trump and supporters would be prepared to simply accept the outcome. So I, I do think we're heading for kind of unprecedented territory in the U.S., even though I don't think our democracy is at threat. I do think our ability to govern for a period of time will be. Boy, I, I hope you're wrong, but uh, you probably aren't. Uh, I know China gets a lot of attention in the risks report. What's the story there? Uh, story is that uh, we are going to get a deal done, signed, uh, on the 15th of January, this phase one trade deal, and but tariffs are going to stay fairly high. Um, but on every other issue between the U.S. and China, things are heading in a more negative direction. Hong Kong, uh, farther from a resolution, not closer. Taiwan, nationalist president likely to get reelected this weekend. The Uyghurs, intellectual property, and particularly technology. Uh, the most important thing that's going to happen between the U.S. and China this month is not uh, the signature of this phase one deal, but actually the following week um, when the daughter of the head of Huawei has her extradition hearings in Canada. Uh, Canadians just getting caught in all sorts of crossfire right now. Um, and uh, and the Chinese consider that to be vastly more important if she's extradited to the U.S., and I expect she probably will be. Uh, we see the Chinese uh, decoupling themselves technology, technologically from the U.S., and that's the single biggest move in terms of away from globalization that we've seen taken by any single country in generations. Uh, I mean, you know, all the good things that people like Bill Gates and Steve Pinker talk about, you know, whether it's taking people out of poverty or increased life expectancy, all the rest, comes from the fact that borders have become more open and more porous over the past decades. And so ideas and goods and services, people move faster and faster around the world. Markets are more efficient. We now see the world's two largest economies literally decoupling in the most important part of a 21st century economy, data and AI and the cloud. And that, that's a really big change and should make us feel more concerned about the future of the global economy. Yeah, you think we're going to have a world that's just completely bipolar, like they have their own tech system that we can't even, like, you know, our phones and computers and stuff wouldn't even work with and vice versa? So 
Yes and no, uh, in the sense that, you know, the world, America's the largest food producer. We're the largest energy producer. And the markets for stuff we take out of the ground is, is only becoming more global. And, and so, I mean, I don't think the Chinese are going to stop buying American soybeans for a long period of time. I think that those markets will be more efficient. You know, when we hit the Iranians, oil prices and the, the price paid at the pump by the average American didn't really move very much. That's because we, we're an exporter of oil today. We're not an importer anymore. 13 million barrels a day we, we now produce. It's double what it was like 10 years ago. Um, but when you talk about data and when you talk about the information that human beings on the planet consume – we're actually talking about a world where, in short order, you're going to have two different types of people. One group that consume um, data and information that has been curated by the Chinese, and one, the Chinese government and companies that follow the Chinese government, and a second that will have been curated by largely American companies. And that's going to make us as a planet much more tribal. That can't be a good thing. Mm. Ian Brummer, president founder of Eurasia Group, is on the line. The top risks of 2020 is out from uh, Eurasia Group. You know, I'm I'm looking at all the risks, and I love this report every every year when it comes out. But I'm not seeing Vlad Putin in it really. Where is uh, where is Russia in terms of the movers and shakers of the world these days? He's part of the top risk in the sense that Russian external intervention in the U.S. election will be highly politicized mm. uh, and will be part of what drives Americans nuts uh, between those that support Trump and those that can't stand him. Um, but if you leave that aside, uh, you know, Russia's in stronger position on the ground in Syria. Okay. And that's horrible if you're a Syrian citizen or used to be and forced out. Um, but it doesn't matter all that much for the rest of the world. Um, you know, Russia uh, is a strong partner of the Iranians, but it didn't stop the Americans from killing Qasem Soleimani. And the Russians' response was, we're concerned. But they didn't do a damn thing. Um, in Ukraine, we're actually moving closer to a negotiated settlement. It's right now a frozen conflict, in part because the Ukrainians have virtually no real friends. They're kind of stuck, and they got even more stuck because of the impeachment hearings. And so now you have direct negotiations between the Ukrainian president and the Russian president, facilitated by the Europeans, that are, that are moving towards progress. So, I mean, actually, in terms of a risk from Russia in 2020, leaving aside... Uh, what happens next this, this coming November in the United States is not all that much to talk about. You brought up a whole bunch of different things, and it reminded me of how uh, the way our media works currently, uh, cable news channels especially, they, they only cover one story at a time. So it's all impeachment, and then all of a sudden Iran happens, and it's all Iran, and then for a while it was all China. And all these things are going on. When you mm-hmm. when you focus on the one story, the other ones are still happening, exactly. <laughs> and and you exactly. keep up on them. And uh, is there is there one particular story that it really bothers you that it doesn't get as much attention? Is it the China um, thing, or I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that bothers me that doesn't get attention is that there are the ch- democracies today have two problems at the same time. One is that inside our countries, large percentages of people believe that the system is rigged by the establishment, by the CEOs, by the political leaders, by the mainstream media. At the same time, outside our democracies, the Chinese are building an alternative structure, not just in terms of technology, but architecture, institutions, standards, you name it. And the problem is that if those two things represent different circles of the Venn diagram, they don't overlap anywhere. So not only can we only handle one story at the same time, but the 
people that are actually focused on those two issues are completely different people. Elizabeth Warren is completely focused on the former, right? And, you know, you've got um, others in the national security complex and the entire foreign policy establishment is only focused on the latter. There's no way we can fix this if we don't actually look at the trade-offs between the two. Uh, it's unfortunate that, I mean, you know, the world doesn't always just throw one problem at you at the same time. Right. Sometimes you actually have to walk and chew gum simultaneously, and we're not showing much capacity to do that. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, because in our real lives, you got problems with your kids in school and your in your wife and your finances and your job, and you you don't you don't ignore all the other ones when... Right, right. So the no, we should doesn't. really ignore all of them simultaneously. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the way I do the it. Right approach, I especially mean, on a, a man, Friday. Right? Thank you, alcohol. A man on a Friday. That's what we should do. <laughs> like that's right. Who do you like in the Super Bowl, Ian? Uh, well, I'm, you know, I have to say, I'm from Boston, and this is the first time in my life that I've ever actively rooted against my home team um, for anything. I hmm. really didn't want to see. Uh, the Patriots win um, because I felt like a lot of arrogance and Brady's just increasingly sucked over the last half of the season, and I don't, I don't feel like we should reward that. No, that's some analysis. Don't it ro- reward suckiness. I got one personal question to ask you. I find myself regularly in weeks like this really missing the Charlie Rose show, which you used to be on a lot. I think that's the first time I ever saw you. And I just, you know, it. I, I think it's bad for information that that show no longer exists. But that aside, is there a show like that that you go to or watch or, or take in? Or this that, one, you fool. Does that sort of thing just not exist anymore? Because I'm just picturing the people he would have had on during this whole Iran thing, for instance. Exactly. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I still see Charlie because he's a friend, um, and he's done a lot for me, and he may have deserved to lose the show, but in my view, he didn't deserve to lose his friends, um, and that's important. Um, and I'm not when, sure it makes America better to not have, you know, long-form discussions on both sides of issues with generals and people like you and whatever, but anyway. Look, pe- people come up to me on the street, uh, and, and they say, I-, I miss you on Charlie. Uh, now, they're usually over 70 years old, so, I mean, you know, but still, <laughs> you know, it's if it happens a lot, um, I'll tell you, I, I probably did his show over a hundred times, and uh, I had hosted it a few times. And and the, literally, I was the last, I was the last guest on his show. I was on on the Friday, and then he was gone on Monday. And I realized that there was no other place for me to go to do a long form conversation that really mattered on the world. And and it was the reason I decided to start a show. Um, G-Zero World, uh, which is on public television now nationally, I had no intention of doing something like that. And I can't do it every day. I don't have time. So I just do it once a week. I mean, he was on every day. Um, but it's it's precisely because I just felt like we need that kind of a conversation. You sure do. For somewhere. More than I, I'd do it myself. You know, a, Ian, we would do it because we have the chops, frankly, but we're homely. So <laughs> there's no... I mean, I've never actually, you know, you know, I have seen you in person, but right. I mean, I, are you deteriorating? Is that what's happening? <laughs> oh, my God. The way we've let ourselves go oh, since we saw you in Cleveland, you wouldn't yeah. believe. Well, let's just leave it there, Ian Bremer. <laughs> the beauty of radio, you know? I mean, you can do this until you're 90, and no one would know you look like Kissinger. It's pretty extraordinary. <laughs> Thank God. Ian's the president and founder of Eurasia Group. It's always a pleasure and enlightening, Ian. Thanks a million. We'll talk soon. Okay, good guess. See you. Thanks. Yep. The death of long-form conversations about multiple topics is just... Oh, well, we'll adjust, I guess. All you had to do was keep your robe closed, Charlie. <laughs> Couldn't do it. Huh? <laughs> Couldn't do Not it. Not a lot to ask. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. So, hey, here's an interesting thing that happened to me during our two weeks off. We ended up in the ER at about uh, 10 o'clock at night, downtown big city. Oh. We were going to meet. Um, and this, here's what I learned. Here's the punchline. Here's the, if I ever have to go to an ER, short of chest pain, where it's like, you know, you got to get there right now. I can't breathe right drive to a suburb or a rural area, it would be faster and much safer and better. Yes, I've heard that advice more than once. Yeah, it's funny. I had never heard that. If I had heard that, I would have done that. We we happened to be, we were visiting, uh, my wife's cousin was in town, and they had rented a house on Airbnb, so we were meeting her, blah, 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 all this stuff. And it was cool, and they had a two-year-old, and my kids liked it and everything. It was really great. Very nice. Uh, and uh, But we, were, we happened to be just blocks from major downtown, like the major downtown ER. And I Which knew where it was. sounds great if yeah. you need an ER. Well, it was handy. Yeah. I knew exactly where it was. I didn't have to Google map and panic and figure out where to go. I knew exactly where it was from when I used to do cancer treatment. I was right there. So um, uh, so we're all headed to the park. Uh, kids are going to play a little bit before we order pizza. We actually already ordered pizza. It was going to be a while because it's a holiday and uh, kids can park. And somehow or another, won't blame anybody. It certainly wasn't me. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Laura gets her hand smashed solidly in the car door. <gasps> Thumb just like completely yeah, in there. She's trying to pull her hand oh. out. Oh, like she can't think okay, straight. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Jeez. First with the Mexican cartel thing earlier this morning. Now this. Go on. All right, go on. I'm sorry to hear that happened. So finally, it's tough to hear. Finally, get the, get the door open. And she's going, oh my god, oh my. She looks at it and then so, the, oh my god, I didn't see it, but she says, oh my god, oh my god. I said, uh, do we need to go to the ER? She said, absolutely. We got to go to the ER immediately. And then the kids, Henry's actually running around the car. Like it's a Chinese fire driller. Oh boy! <laughs> we got a police nine one one. Which is, you know, oh it's it wasn't funny at the time. Obviously, he's in a panic. His mom's hurt. Right. It's kind of funny when I think about it. In now. retrospect, it yes. looks kind of cute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just mis- He's got energy. Doesn't know how to dispense yeah, it. So yeah. he's just moving. Yeah, I'm trying around. to help. Right. What do I do here? Right. Anyway, so I get the kids in the car. Drive like the two blocks to the downtown ER. Um. Uh, oh, so you got the whole fam there. What else yeah, are you going to do? Having right. the kids is the worst part of being in the downtown ER at night on a Friday night full of drunk, stoned, homeless people. Oh, boy. Full of them. And they're being treated just like they were. Anybody else with health insurance who showed up who are having their... How many times you end up in the ER in your whole life? Who are having their three or four times in their lifetime go to the ER. Right. Which is the way it is for most of us. And those are the frequent flyers. Uh, emergency room, doctors, nurses, orderlies, please. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com if you want to tell us about the frequent flyers. And so, you know, you're, you're showing up to the ER. you got to wait in line behind. I don't feel so good. All right, Jim, what's, what's the problem? I, uh, I need to lay down. Okay, and then they go through the... F- Full filling out the paperwork, checking the vital everything. What there? There are people holding babies. Yeah, looking really panicked. Parents, if you've ever had a sick baby and you don't know what's going on, waiting in line behind homeless effing drunks to get checked in at the ER and going through the full fill out the paperwork, treat it seriously. Just and they know them by name. They actually called some of them by name. Yeah, and they get them a bed, which you know. 
that, well, whether or not you should get him better at law, I don't know. But at least say, Jim, sit over there. You're here every night. I know what your problem is. You're drunk. I'm going to help the woman who's got the smashed thumb and her kids are crying. I'm going to help that lady who's holding an infant. I can't right. tell what's wrong with it. Right. Um, you they can don't wait. dare do that. How screwed up is the world we're in How? at that point? I, I, I was blown away. Not, uh, not to mention the fact that trying to get my wife checked in, she couldn't do paperwork or anything like that. She's moaning and holding her thumb, and right. there's blood and everything like that. I'm trying to figure out the insurance stuff like that. I'm scared to death for my kids because you got the uh, uh, stumbling over to my kids and trying to talk to them. Uh, Freaking insane! Oh my god! It's it's absolutely it's. I had trouble wrapping my head around it. Yeah, that is not the way a first world functioning society should work. I pay how many thousands of dollars for health insurance? I show up at the ER and my I'm frightened for my children and my wife's waiting in line behind drunks. Yeah. Yep. Who are there to get a bed? Oh, and I guess their main thing is one of the nurses told my mo- my wife. I almost called her my mom. Calling Doctor Freud. Doctor Freud why in the emergency room. <laughs> I need a team of therapists to, to explain to me why I sometimes uh, call my I, wife. I, I can explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I took one psychology class in college. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.